Yes. Sorry? Is that offering? Oh, well, I'll take money quick, just directly. Yeah. Now, if uh, Lee, yeah, or Glenn, you can grab that. Thanks. Did we send around the buckets that never made it to your section? That's discrimination. We cannot have that. Uh, one more thing here before we jump into the Word today. It's action-packed at North Shore, let me tell you. Uh, we have been talking and visioning for quite some time about life groups. And life groups are small groups, whatever you want to call them, but we're going with life groups for the time being. And this is a desire for us to release people into their giftings, into their callings, specifically as it relates to the church. Um, we've talked about that we want our groups to be anytime, anywhere. And they're going to be team-led groups uh, that are relationship-oriented, community-oriented, that are focused on Jesus in any way, shape, or form. And the teams that are leading those groups, it's gonna, the group is going to take on really the, a lot of the personality of who those people are. And so this isn't a popularity contest or anything, but an opportunity for people to get plugged in, build relationship. And uh, so our first run at, at uh, Life Groups is going to be starting here in September and run through December. And then we'll shut things, you know, kind of hit reset for the holidays around Christmas time. And then we'll kick things back up again uh, as we go into the new year. 2015. Wasn't it like just 2012? Really... Just a little bit ago. And uh, so I want to let you guys know about those. They are, um, those forms are back here on the back table. And it's just a eight by eight and a half by 11 uh, sheet of paper. And uh, you can grab those. But there's uh, prayer groups. There's uh, worship gatherings. There are uh, kind of what you might look at as, or remember as typical home groups. Um, but they're focused and geared toward all different kinds of things. So be sure and grab one of those, and we encourage everyone to, to get involved. Uh, additionally, uh, our location. God, where are you calling us to land eventually? We knew coming here that this would be somewhat of a, a temporary place. We didn't know if it was months or years or whatever that would be. But uh, we know that God is moving us eventually we would love to know feedback from you. Uh, anything like that, things that you're seeing, locations that you're uh, observing. And we'll know basically wherever we land who's praying the hardest because we'll be closest to your house, right? Yeah. Yeah. Everybody starts shouting out their city. Come on. We're going to Moreau, right, Jen? Right. Yeah. So uh, please be looking with us, and uh, we've been talking as, as elders just about uh, looking in, you know, at, at real estate help and you know, getting some eyes on uh, more commercial uh, properties, different things like that. And so we don't know if we're looking at a rental situation, a lease again, or ownership, and we want you to be praying with us in all that. Would you do that? Yeah. All right, so spread the word. We're doing whatever we're doing. Uh, I want to do something this morning. I, I really appreciate a love. Uh, David Szczeski, uh shared two weeks ago, Dan Hammond last week. I hope you guys really 
took away a lot of things uh, from them and uh, really appreciate just the, the ministry of the Lord through them. So the, we've been in chapter 10 in the Gospel of Luke. And what I kind of want to do is I want to recap some of the things, um, add a little additional perspective to some of the heresy that they brought in the last two weeks. Uh, no, they didn't. But uh, I'm not clearing anything up, just adding a few things to what they already did. And then I want to pick up where Dan left off, which was verse 37, and then finish up with those last few verses of chapter 10. In chapter 10, we see three clear and simple priorities for the follower of Jesus. So I'm just kind of encapsulating these things in chapter 10 because there's so much to glean uh, from this chapter. Before I name these three simple priorities that are so important, that are absolutely going to change your life forever, let's pray. Jesus, thanks so much for your word. Your word is alive. These are not just printed words on a page, but they're the very words of God. Inspired. Inspired words of God given to us for life. Thank you for this manual for life of how to please you, how to bring glory to you. Holy Spirit, do what only you can do. Open our eyes, help us see what we need to see today. May we be continually changed. Amen. Three simple priorities, so important for the followers of Jesus. David touched on it, being ambassadors for Christ. He sent out the 70 or the 72, okay? Whatever that number is. If we look at different Bibles, we're going to get different numbers. But uh, the other number two is to be neighbors like Christ. Dan touched on the Good Samaritan, the story there, and shared just out of his own life those things. And I, I love listening to hear Dan Hammond speak. He's my youth pastor way back in the day. And uh, was, those, were, those were great things. Love him. And then the third one is to be lovers and worshipers of Christ. Ambassadors for Christ, neighbors like Christ, and lovers and worshipers of Christ. In uh, looking at verse 1 of chapter 10, the Lord now chose 72, some Bibles say 70, other disciples, and sent them on ahead in pairs to all towns and villages he planned to visit. These were his instructions to them. The harvest is so great. Say, so great. Now say it loud like you mean it. This is huge. The harvest is so great, you guys, but the workers are so few. So pray to the Lord who is in charge of the harvest and ask him to send out more workers for this field. Go now. And then remember that I'm sending you out as sheep among wolves. Thank you, Jesus, for that encouraging word. Because wolves eat sheep, right? So he's sending them out two by two. And uh, this number 70 is, is actually pretty significant when you look at Jewish culture. To the Jews, when they talk about 70, for instance, in Genesis 10, 70 has to do with a representative number that represents all of the nations. So in essence, Jesus is saying, I'm sending 70 of you out. There's a reason why I chose 70. 
even though somebody may have counted it wrong and added two to their gospel account. But he's sending out 70, and this means I'm sending you out to all the nations. I'm sending you to all the nations locally. I'm sending to all the nations globally. Jesus was sending these nameless followers. These guys didn't have names like the apostles did with the message of his gospel to the whole world. We represent the kingdom of God, the family of God. When we were just on vacation for the last two weeks, Jaron is pretty much the Trout ambassador, Trout family ambassador. So we're staying at this condominium at this, at this place, and people kept coming up to me for the first week that we're there. And he says, are you uh, Jaron's dad? Yeah, so now I'm Jaron's dad. I'm no longer Eric, I'm just Jaron's dad. And, but he, we became known because of how he was representative. They were very complimentary. You know, you're encouraged all the time. It's not like, oh, what did he do? You know, but it was, it was, oh my word, your son, he is so well behaved and he's so kind to our kids and he was so gentle with our little girl. And, you know, so those things are definitely encouraging, but he has no fear. He assumes, because he loves everybody, he assumes everybody loves him. Anybody who's met Jaron, you know this is true. He'll, he'll meet anybody, talk to anybody. And we would sit there in the hot tub, you know, and he's having these ongoing conversations with these adults. And we're going, Jaron, we're like, oh, and his brothers and sisters are helping him out like, dude, shut it down, man. Telling them all kinds of things that some things we didn't want them to know. Yeah. When people touch our lives it should have the same effect. Hey, there's something about you. There's, you know, and they should be able to connect us with Jesus. Why? Because the way that, that we, they observe us relating with our families, how David relates to his daughter, people should get this vibe that there's something different going on there. Why? Because Jesus is the factor. There's some sort of Zoe life that is in you, and I'm, I'm having a hard time putting my finger on it, but you're not really from this world. Because that's what the Scriptures tell us, is that we're aliens. Our home is not here. That's, that's what the part of what we were, you know, I didn't know what Scripture Tyson was, uh, you know, had picked out for this morning, but he's talk, we were talking about an inheritance, a land. Well, that was a foreshadowing in the Old Testament for what is coming in our life with Christ in eternity. This land, this inheritance, God, that you've given us, and we get to live in your presence forever, and it starts now. Paul saw himself as an ambassador. He was actually in prison, and he's seen himself as an ambassador. Check out Ephesians 6, verse 20. It's always amazing to me as you, you know, you're reading the letters that Paul's writing to these churches and then you realize, wait a minute, where is he writing from? You know, so he's in the big house and he's writing these letters and, but he says, verse 19, and pray for me too. Ask God to give me the right words as I boldly explain God's secret plan that the good news is for the Gentiles too. He didn't let the chains or the bars hold him back. He's an ambassador. It's just who he is. It's his identity. He just, he can't help it. 
pray that I would be bold. I'm in chains now for preaching this message as God's ambassador, but pray that I will keep on speaking boldly for Him as I should. Pray for what? That He would get out of jail? That these chains would be gone? No, so that He could boldly speak. That He could boldly speak. Anywhere and everywhere we go, we can assume that Jesus sent us. Listen to the Scripture again. He said, these were the instructions, and he sent them out ahead in Paris to all the towns and villages he planned to visit. He sent them out in pairs. The Mormons got one thing right, okay? They go out in pairs. But he, they are going out, and then Jesus was going to follow. Everywhere we go, we can assume, because we're part of the family that Jesus intends to go there as well. Every person that you meet is an encounter for them with Jesus because they're in contact with you. Into this person's situation to draw that person to Him, to show them love, mercy, compassion. Where has Jesus sent you and me? Bob, where do you work? For everybody, I know where you work, but Bothaway Garage. Everybody that comes in there, Jesus intends to go there. He does. Don, where are you at? Kenmore Junior High. Everywhere Don goes, God intends to encounter people there because he sent an ambassador ahead of him. Jeremiah. Providence Hospital, dude. Everett. Every time Jeremiah goes to Everett, anywhere he goes, he's filling up gas. He's sticking people with needles. It doesn't matter. Which he does that very well. He sent me a text the other day. I was laughing so hard. He's like, dude, I've been stabbing people all night long. (laughs) Like, whoa, I hope nobody's eavesdropping on this text conversation right now. It's like the reaper or something. It's because you're working nights, so, you know. Oh, now he draws a lot of blood. Where we are is no accident. Dave, where you're at, man, Ames, where you're at, there's no accident. Madison, Trinity, Madeline, Austin, the school that you attend. Where you're at, there's no accident. There's no coincidences in the kingdom of God. What seems accidental to us or happenstance is completely intentional to Jesus because he was sending them out, sending them out. He said, I want you to go to these places. And if we get up every day and we're trusting the Lord and we're saying, Hey, send me, use me, do what you want. Then he's coming. He's coming. So he sends out 70 people or so to represent him in this region. That sounds a lot like a church plant, doesn't it? We were roughly 70 adults when we were sent out from Kirkland. Amazing. Harvest is hard work. Because what does he say here? There's a huge harvest, a great harvest, but very few workers. We've got a huge job ahead of us. Even if we had everybody 100%, the number saved equaling the number serving. We've still got a a lot of work ahead of us. 
big field, few workers. I love what Warren Wearsby says. Instead of praying for an easier job, they were to pray for more laborers to join them. Notice that he says laborers, not spectators. See, that's the whole difference between just attending church and being the church. When I see myself as part of the family, that's, that's a whole different deal than when you're just coming over to work and do a job type of thing. You know, you've been hired to do a job at a particular house. But when you see yourself as part of the family, you take ownership. There's stewardship for what God has given me. I was thinking about the law of biogenesis, I think it applies here, because the law of biogenesis says that we reproduce after our own kind. Life begets life. If you're dead, life's not going to happen. If you're a laborer, you're going to reproduce a laborer. I'm not going to take all the credit for it, but why is Jaron the way that he is? Well, my kids in a lot of ways are like Lisa and I. They've watched us. I'm not trying to do it, but oftentimes I, I, I say hi to a lot of people. I talk to a lot of people. I love engaging people. Jaron likes to do that too. He's seen, I guess he's seen me have fun at it and have a good time and enjoy that and make new friends and relate, build relationships and stuff. He's like, cool, I'm in. So we reproduce after our own kind. Christ in us is going to reproduce a certain type of person. Who are you? Who is Jesus in you? Laborers produce laborers. Become the life necessary to produce more life. I remember when, uh, when Graham White was here. By the way, uh, Andrew's brother and sister-in-law are here visiting from England. Would you guys just stand up real quick? Super cool. And I'm so sorry, I forgot your names. Tim and Bex. And Bex, aren't you from the Netherlands? Is that right? Or is it the other one? The other sister-in-law? Okay. There's lots of brothers and trying to keep them straight. We just haven't hung out enough, but we're going to do that today. So. All right. But uh, Graham White was here. How many remember Graham White, Andrew's father? And uh, he asked us, he challenged us with some questions. He says, what do we do or what do we have that God can use? What do we have that God can use? These are really practical things. What does God want? How does God want to use it? What do I have? How does God want to use it? Are we willing to allow God to use it? We are the church wherever we go, whether we are gathering or going. So then he gives two more directives to pray for more workers. And then he says, go now. Go now. I want you to stand with me. I just want you to just turn with someone else, with a couple other people, not big because you're going to get about 30 seconds to do this. But I, I just want you to pray for more laborers, for more workers. So Jesus says, hey, pray to the Lord of the harvest, Father, and ask him for more laborers. It would sound something maybe like this, Lord, we're asking for more laborers who really have a heart like you do. And that we could become the, your, your answer to our prayers. How about that? That it wouldn't be us thinking, hoping God would do some, you know, send somebody else. 
that we would say, you know what? I want to be the answer to that. I want to be that laborer. Amen. Go for it. Put something into practice right away. Amen. Everybody said? Amen. It's really important that we understand something, and that is, no, I'm not saying that in a condescending way, as if I know and you need to know. But it is important to understand the game that we're in, the war, the battle that we're in, which is that everything, a lot of things in our mind and in our culture is attempting to silence you as an ambassador. Don't, don't be trying to bring that kingdom of God, Jesus junk up in here. Don't even try and bring those solutions. That was an archaic script that no longer applies to today. Everything wants to silence you. And in our minds, we believe that. Keep your religion to yourself. Hey, no problem. But this isn't religion. This is relationship. This is life. These are solutions because the kingdom of God transcends all realms. It includes everything. There are not just answers for what happens within the four walls of this church. God has given us answers in His manual, the Word of God, for every single problem that we face. So, the harvest that Jesus is referring to includes individuals, communities, cities, regions, nations. Um, about 15 years ago, God dropped a dream into the heart of two men in particular. And from that dream came a plan. The dream was for God to impact the city that they lived in. Just as Paul saw himself as an ambassador of Christ, we're called to be ambassadors. Take a look at 2 Corinthians chapter 5, and then I'll tell you the rest of the story about these two guys. 2 Corinthians Chapter 5. All this newness of life is from God. Verse 18. Who brought us back to Himself through what Christ did. And God has given us the task of reconciling people to Him. Verse 19. God was in Christ reconciling the world to Himself 
No longer counting people's sins against them. This is the wonderful message He has given us to tell others. Did you get it? What's the message? Reconciling the world to Himself. No longer counting people's sins against them. You know what's something crazy? Do you realize that in the New Testament, in the New Testament, not one time will you find an account of someone's sin or their failings, or their mistakes, or anything like that reported in the New Testament. I mean, look at Abraham. Total failure and everything. What does Hebrews 11 talk about? His faith. What? He totally messed things up, right? Moses. All these different ones, but not one time do they look at their failings and their sin. Not one time are they accounted in the New Testament. That's amazing. That's God's perspective toward us. No longer counting people's sins against them. This is the wonderful message He has given us to tell others. Just in case you were wondering, I was. What are Christ? We are Christ's ambassadors. And God is using us to speak to you. We urge you, as though Christ Himself were pleading with you, be reconciled to God. Made right with God through Christ. Amen powerful identity coming over us there. Another thing that's key is that this is not a special calling given to just Bruce Hart. This is not a special thing just for Louise Ray. This is something for all of us. We all get to walk in this ambassador mode. So these two guys, God gives them a dream they begin to put it into a plan, and that is to get involved in their city and impact their city. Glenn Rogers and my dad were those two guys. And as it's told to me, dad said, Glenn, let's go get involved in our city. And they started getting involved in a neighborhood association and uh, just getting to know their neighbors and, and uh, planning. And it was inconvenient. It took time away. It was you know, didn't always work with the schedule and all that, but for a couple of years they did that. And then the dream began to grow and the plan grew to get Glenn elected as city council member in city of Kenmore. And that happened. And so here we are 10 plus years later, and uh, there's a special thing that's happening because Glenn is actually stepping down and resigning after 10 plus, almost 12 years of service in um, in my city, and I love that. But um, this is due to a uh, brain injury that has been going on for some time now, and so he really believed that the Lord was calling him to step aside and lay that down. But I, I just, Glenn, I want you to stand up, and I, I just want to recognize your service to our city and the sacrifice that you've made, given your heart, blood, sweat, and tears. We've prayed, uh, prayed for him and prayed for him, believing that God would allow him to continue. He's up to this point. He's been resisting our prayers. But uh, we're not going to hold that against you. Many of you have campaigned with him, financial support, held signs, all kinds of stuff. And thank you for, for doing that and being a part of that. 
you know, what does the future hold? Well, he's not done. Um, what does the future hold? The future holds continuing to um, advise uh, others on the council. He is probably the most well-respected man, uh, person on that council. Uh, we were just having coffee the other day, and uh, one of the other council members came in, Brent Smith, and he was just, you know, stood there and talked with us for a while. But his respect for Glenn, and he just shared his admiration for him. But what does the future look like? I and mean, we've been talking about, you know, um, to take what God has given him as an ambassador and to give that to others that are coming behind him because he's not the last. There needs to be others that would say, you know what, that's what God's calling me to do, to get involved in my city. Mark Harmsworth is another example of that, is helping give the wisdom and experience that he's been given uh, in his city as well as so many others like Milton Curtis and and uh, Lori Sperry and different ones. So it's, um, it's much safer to stay within these walls. It's a lot more convenient to do that. It doesn't cramp your schedule and, you know, mess with any of those things. Uh, to go to a neighborhood associations, PTA meetings, you have answers because Jesus has you. Mops meetings, whatever they may be. You have parental wisdom that people are crying out for. We met a couple when we were in California. And we were just down at the, at the creek playing in the water and this couple comes in. They had just broken down on the highway. Taking some time out in the heat, let the rig cool off so that he could actually fix it. They were going to stay at the campground. He comes down there, we start talking. I, I end up talking to him for about two hours. Just, and he's asking all kinds of different questions. And I was just playing with his kids, letting his kids use my fishing pole. And, and uh, I mean, they were just really grateful. But his, his wife... Uh, gets in, they have three kids, and his wife uh, gets in the water and she's swimming around. She starts talking with Lisa and she meets Madison. She says to me later, she says, what did you do? How did you do that? She was so blown away. She just like, how do you do that with your kids? How does that happen? How do they have a response? You guys actually look like you love each other. It's like, Lee and Louise, you guys have been married for 55 years. How do you do that? Nobody's staying together anymore. Everybody's bailing. Everybody's giving up. They're walking away from their covenant. The promises that they've made, they don't mean anything anymore to some. We're ambassadors. We don't have a choice in the matter. Turns out we meet them there and they were planning, they were already scheduled, they were going to be in Maui the same time we were. So we go there, we meet up with them, playing on the beach, talking with them more. And here God has started this relationship. We're out in the middle of nowhere in Northern California. 
and we meet this couple. They just happen to break down. What is accidental to us is intentional on the part of God. City council meetings. Inviting neighbor to, if you can believe it, go grab a beer at a local watering hole. Did I just say that? Mops, PTA, I don't have scripture verses for those. I have scripture for that last one though. Okay, maybe just one. Neighbors like Christ. I'll be quick with this. Dan did a whole lot better job on this one than Dave did on his, so that's why I spent more. No, I'm just kidding. Neighbors like Christ. Love, mercy, compassion. Jesus, take this conversation from the duty to love, to from from duty to love, from debating to doing. I have had mercy and compassion on everyone, including you and me. Jesus says, "Now go and give that away to other people." I wish I had time to more, spend more time on that. I want to finish with this: being lovers of Christ, ambassadors of Christ, neighbors like Christ, and lovers of Christ. Let's look at the last couple verses here in chapter 10. He's just finished up talking with the guys, some guys about the Good Samaritan. As Jesus and the disciples, verse 38, continued on their way to Jerusalem, they came to a village where a woman named Martha welcomed them into her home. Her sister Mary sat at the Lord's feet, listening to what he taught. But Martha was worrying over the big dinner she was preparing. She came to Jesus and said, Lord, doesn't it seem unfair to you that my sister just sits there while I do all the work? I mean, tell her to come and help me. I know. I'm telling you. That was right on cue. Do you like pinch her or something? Do you have a little... But the Lord said to her, my dear Martha, I love this because Jesus was so gentle with her. My dear Martha, you're so upset over all these details. There's really only one thing worth being concerned about. And Mary has discovered it and I won't take it away from her. Being a lover of Christ. This is where it all starts. You start in the story, we start chronologically with the ambassador moving to the neighbor and we finish with the lover but it's actually in reverse order because it begins with that love relationship with Jesus being a worshiper and lover of Jesus is at the heart of all that we are and all that we do you can't sustain that for very long just like dude I'm an ambassador I'm going to be a neighbor. I'm going to... Because we don't have the source inside of us that sustains us. When we understand that when the only way that we can love others is when we know that we are completely accepted and fully loved. 
by Jesus. I don't have a whole lot to give when, when, when Lisa and I are not united, when I'm like, oh, I don't know, it, to our own kids, to other people. But when we're united, when we're strong, man, it makes such a difference. When I'm insecure in my relationship with Jesus, I'm not sure. It's like, oh, and then I go to the Word and I'm reminded again, oh, He fully, completely accepts me and loves me. I mean, look at Jesus. He's doing all this thing. He's on the circuit. He's, you know, this big rock star, you know, image thing that's happening. People are just putting him on stages everywhere where he's preaching to thousands of people. And what does he do? He and the boys get invited into some person's house. And he's sitting down with one gal. And he's having this one-on-one personal conversation with her. Jesus is so personal. He's not caught up with himself. He has time all the time in the world and then some for us. He looks at the minute details of our life and he cares about those things. Why? Because we care about them. Jesus loves spending time with you. That's why he gives us examples like this in the Word. We can be so busy sometimes doing all these, oh, Jesus, isn't this cool? I'm doing all these things for you. He says, you know what? There's one concern, one thing that you need to be concerned about. And this one thing is spending time with him. All the dudes are like, yeah, right, sitting at the feet of Jesus. How fun. No, it's wherever we are. It's walking with him, working with him. It's being a part of life with Jesus that he wants to spend with us. He gave us his life. Don't you think he wants to spend it with us? Most of the time, it's that we're not aware of it. Like Martha back in the kitchen, she's doing all the different stuff here. She's the one who invites Jesus in. She makes this invitation to Jesus and then she goes off doing something that she thinks Jesus is really stoked on, right? But he's not. He wants to just sit down. It's like, go do, yeah, ambassador, neighbor, yes, those things. But the most important thing. I love what Dudley Hall said at family camp. He said, the point of prayer is not to get things from God, but to get God himself. I want Lisa to come up just briefly and share a story with us. I'm going to use that same mic, Damien, the BGV mic. The other one's dead. Gone. Just to give you a glimpse into how personal, how much God cares about the things that are important to us and the things that we're going through. I'll tell the first part, and then you can finish. Okay. Yeah. I was, um, the first week we were in Maui was probably the hardest week I've had losing dad because that was supposed to be our trip with him 
And my dad's love language is let's go play outside. So, little backdrop for some of you who are new or don't know. Um, Lisa's dad just passed away June 17th. Yeah. So they were in California for quite a long time, over a month, just supporting her mom, helping her. For a couple of years, we've had a trip planned to Maui. They said, hey, if you guys get here, we'll pay for the rest of the trip. This was Maui's dad's favorite place on earth. And he was so looking forward to taking his grandbabies and playing with them. And so 17 of us, aunts and uncles and cousins and all of them, we show up in Maui. But of course, dad's not there. So Lisa's going through this and, you know, she had been looking forward to anticipating. And then she's spending time. Yeah, so... um so it's kind of building in me over the week. And I find the way that I tend to grieve is it's really internal. And then it'll build, 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 build. And I'll hit a breaking point, And then I'm okay. And then it, it does it again. And so that week had been building. And I, I hadn't even cried yet. and um, But was just feeling really stuck, really off in my grief. Um, was just missing it relationally with people. Because I wasn't connecting that that's what was going on in me. I just felt really off and was really missing dad. And was up early in the morning, and we have a, uh, each of the rooms had a little patio. They call them a lanai, and sat out there, and I had my coffee and a gardenia that I picked off the bush and my Bible, but was just really um, struggling with missing dad and just reflecting over the last couple years of a lot of loss and a lot of heart and just um, feeling alone and Wishing I had um, just a pastor I could call. I know I'm married to one, but <laughs> um, and I do talk to him. But Chop I just liver, chop liver. <laughs> you know, and both our dads. You know, and just that feeling of calling, calling a dad, saying, "I'm stuck. Can you help me?" You know, and in five minutes, it's like everything's fine again. You know, but just missing that and. Um, I had, someone had said to me before we left for Maui that they said, I feel like God's going to give you some gifts when you're there. And um, so I, that came to mind, and, and I said, God, I really need one of your gifts today. Like, just almost in a right way, like a demand. Like, I'm, I'm hanging on by my fingernails. I need a gift today. So... Eric and I, they had, took off on a run walk that morning. They, there was this trail that went along the beach and we were going along and we passed this couple and, uh, we, I say hi to the wife when we run past and, uh, Eric says, uh, we, we got past and I said, I think I, I recognize that guy's voice. And I said, I think that was Luis Palau. Some of you may know Luis Palau is, um, Kind of like Billy Graham, he's right, right underneath that, you know, uh, in terms of his influence. And he's a um, South American uh, pastor, evangelist, wor- you know, thousands and thousands of people at crusades. And so uh, I said, I think that was Luis Palau. That's so strange. I, th- I think I recognize his voice. He had shades on. She says, well, let's go back and talk to him. I said, well, I, I don't want to do that. If, what if it's not him? And so I said, well wait till he comes by and when he's talking to his wife I'll see if I recognize his voice and then put the face to the voice and then we'll know so he walks up and uh, I said hey how you doing are you Luis is your name Luis he's like no like wait a minute okay I couldn't tell behind the shades but I recognize the voice 
And he, he's, and I said, uh, yeah, your name's Luis, isn't it? <laughs> he's like, no, Luis Palau? I said, yeah. He goes, no, I get that a lot, but no, Luis Palau, he's 80 years old, dude. What are you, what are you talking about? <laughs> he's like 60, so he's not, you know, he's a little offended by, he was joking with me. But he said, he said, actually, my name's Greg, Greg Laurie. And, um, and that name sounded familiar to me, but I didn't really know who I, and I, I rec- and Eric said, oh, I've heard you before, teach with Luis Palau. And so we start chatting, and um, he says, what brings you to Maui? And I told him about my dad. And And, you know, he asked, was he a believer? And I got to talk about, yes, and what a comfort that actually is, thinking about him being in heaven and how much I've been thinking about heaven. And Which, actually, side note, when Eric was talking about being an ambassador, I've never had more opportunities to share Christ with people, thank you, than since Dad died, because I get to so many people talk about heaven's real. I know where my dad is and it's not a belief system. It is real. And, um, that couple included, it just breaks through all the, well, this is what I believe. That's what you believe. It's like, no, actually he's in heaven and he's alive still. That's kind of amazing. And they can tell I'm grieving with hope. It's tangibly different. So anyway, talking with him and um, tell, uh, we were, I was telling Greg and his wife about people dad had led to the Lord and my, the, that we grieve with hope, and, but we're still really missing him. And he, we start just walking, and he's talking to me about how the hope of heaven and uh, that it's very, a very spiritual thing to grieve, though, that as Christians we think that we're supposed to be so excited they're in heaven that we can't be sad they're not here. And it's very spiritual to grieve. And you cry, and then you're happy. And he just had exactly the things I needed to hear. It was just perfect. Very simple, but what I needed. And we talked about the church plant, and um, they said, oh, that's hard to plant a church. And we kind of said, yeah, but we had the best group of people come with us. It's actually been really fun. (laughs) And um, talked about that, and they prayed over us, and we got back to the condos, and my mom and sister were there, and I said, I got to tell you what happened this morning. I told them how that morning I'd been praying and at just needing a pastor to talk to, and that we met a pastor on the road, Greg Laurie, and my mom, and my, who? And I said, and they said, do you know who that is? And I said, well, I recognize the name, but my sister said, Lisa, last week he was in Southern California and did a 45,000-person crusade, and like over 6,000 people responded to Christ. They're saying he's the next Billy Graham, and she, mom said, I listen to him on the radio every morning, and she said, Two years ago, his adult son was killed in a car accident, and his message has been grief, heaven, hope in the, you know, hope in heaven, and I mean, just, that's why he knew exactly what to say, and she said that it was his teaching series she had just finished listening to the week before dad died. She said, Lisa, he's the pastor God used to prepare me for losing your dad, and um, so... Just the specific love of God to not just send me a pastor, but to send me my daddy's favorite pastor that was specifically ministering to my mom during her time was so loving of the Lord. And it 
I mean, it blessed my mom so much that God would take care of me like that. And it did unlock my heart. And so that night we went out to this really great sushi restaurant and we were in line. There was like an hour wait to get in and guess who was behind us in line? (laughs) Gray, Glory, and his wife. So my mom got to talk with him and he prayed for my mom and they spent like 20 minutes with my mom and said, give me your address, I'll send you some books. And um, so God just, his extravagant, love and care to bend time and space for us that way that would make us cross paths with my dad's favorite pastor. We were joking that it's like Jesus and dad up there going, let's give her a hookup. Send her, send her great glory. (laughs) So. Wow. Jesus is so kind. He's so personal. He's a really good listener. And he's given us these words of life. And he sends us people in our greatest time of need. He unlocks things in us that seem to be just bolted down. I'll give you this at the end, but the um, the title of message today was "Come Closer," and this is what I believe God is speaking, Jesus is speaking personally to us, each one of us. I remember one time I think Maddie was about four or five years old, and she came into our our room in the morning on a weekend. And she just kind of came to the the edge of the bed. And I just remember the Lord using this situation to really teach me something about what we're talking about here in this picture of Mary sitting with Jesus and and just how close he gets to, to people and how personal he is with that. And I remember uh, just, uh, she was there, she was at the foot of the bed and she was sitting there, but... And I just remember saying, Madison, come closer. We were in the same room. We were in one another's presence, right, if you will. But it wasn't enough for her to just be in the same room and and at the foot, you know, of our bed. It's like, Maddie, come closer. Why? Because I want to hold you. I want to be cozy with you. And, and, you know, I want to talk really close face to face with you. And I want to hear about your day and how did you sleep and, you know, go through all the things that that you go through and talk about. But as I was sitting there and I was laying there, I was holding Maddie. And I just remember the Lord saying, you know, Eric, that's exactly what I love to do with you. However close we are at the time he wants more he wants closer with us we're God's sons and daughters that's how he sees us we just want to tell you Lord that we we love how you are with us and some of us have just because of experiences in life and stuff, we've got, we've got some perspectives about you 
that maybe we're just supposed to be out there, oh, I'm just an ambassador and I'm just all this, but that the engine, the fuel that keeps all of that running, and those are all good things. It, just as you were saying to Martha, you didn't, you didn't shout her down and put her down because she was serving. Those were good things, but you were saying that there's something even more important than that. And that is to be able to spend time with you. Jesus, we saw you do this all the time. You demonstrated for us. You'd go spend time, get away, and just spend time with the Father. Lord, you come and heal our funky perspective about who you are, of just wanting to serve, 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 go, 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 go. That we come to you fully accepted. It doesn't say Mary was just spending all this time confessing and talking. She was just listening. Just You could tell she's just enjoying you. And you aren't going to take her away from any of that. You're the best. You're the best. You stand up. Why are we going through things like this? Maybe it seems, you know, time-consuming, like, wow, we could be in this for a long time, you know, the Gospel of Luke. Because we get to grow. We get to grow. We get to understand more about who he is and how he sees us god's word changes us i don't know how long this good weather is going to last but enjoy it while it's here have a great rest of your weekend and uh we'll see you when we see you god bless